Hello and welcome to another episode of the Uncommon Energy Podcast. On this week's episode, we'll be chatting about the end of an era as rotation has occurred. We'll move forward from the Sword and Shield block onto the Scarlet and Violet era of the Pokemon TCG. We've got some updates to chat about in regards to Pokemon organized play, League Cups, some TPCI interactions, some new posts from the official play Pokemon Twitter as well. We will, of course, have Guess That Flavor Text, everyone's favorite segment of the podcast. And then we'll be chatting a little bit more about rotation, talking about the early meta, talking about TCG Live, everyone's favorite online trading card game, and all that and much, much more. My name is Chip Ritchie, joined here as always by my friend and co-host, Azul GG. What's up, Azul? How we doing, man? And uh, how was your week? doing pretty good chip you had another week of competing at fort wayne went with the reggies at fort wayne didn't have a great showing overall the group did okay uh grant mansion placed into a top eight almost got a little bit further unfortunately hit the gudra in top eight i heard it was close um we did play the bad drago uh we also played the basic fire energy as well to help you know get off terminal attacks a little bit sooner and that, that was actually super good i almost actually wonder if there should have just always been a basic fire grass energy in Reggie's for like a really long time, because it does increase your odds of like getting off a turn one or turn two attack. Uh, even if you don't play the bad Drago, just with the the good Reggie Drago uh, by quite a bit. So I actually just wonder if that should have been included in the deck, like from the start, because it was actually really, really good. Um, and of course it does really help to actually attack with the bad Drago as well, which requires grass, grass, fire, or fire, fire, grass. I forget. Uh, yeah. Grass, grass, fire. So uh, yeah, I played Reggie's. Uh, I hit, Three Gudras in day one. Um, I actually tied two of them and was going to be winning game three. Was winning game three in both of the sets, but you can't really finish three games in that set if you both take a game. So my record ended up being pretty poor overall. Didn't make day two. Like I said, it was cool to see Grant make uh, another top eight uh, with the Reggie deck. Uh, and I was kind of fine with the deck choice overall. I think, though, like if I could have gone back, if we were ever going to play Lugia at a single event, in this format, I think this would have been the event to play Lugia. Lugia numbers are super far down. It was like 22%, I think. Yeah. Um, so if I could have gone back and like switched <laughs> playing Reggie for Vancouver and then like playing Lugia for this final event, that would have been like ideal. But it's hard to predict it, hard to call it all together. Yeah, but it's fine, fine with playing Reggie's. Unfortunately, a lot of Gudra, uh, but still had a good weekend. And uh, yeah, I just got back the other day. Um, we're uploading the cast a day late because I got back so late from Fort Wayne and I'm already re getting ready to leave again this weekend for EUIC. So uh, just kind of the, the tournament competitive competition grind kind of never stops. Um, but yeah, how was your week in uh, Fort Wayne chip doing all the, the casting stuff? It was good. Yeah, I was in Fort Wayne this weekend as well doing the casting. Like Azul said, uh, it was a little sketchy at first, honestly, because um, not just for so like Mostly we talk about the trading card game broadcast and stuff on the show, but there's three broadcasts happening every regional weekend. There's the trading card game, the video game and Pokemon Go competitions, which all have their live streams and stuff. Um, but all the casters have gotten like pretty close over the course of this last year, working all these events together and stuff. We always have like a caster dinner. We get together. Uh, we chat all throughout the week and stuff leading up to tournaments. So there's like a good bit of camaraderie between all of the casters, which is great and cool. Um, but a lot of the casters for Fort Wayne uh, had like really bad delays because there was a really bad storm that hit the Midwest um, and through Fort Wayne kind of specifically. There was actually like a tornado warning Friday night in Fort Wayne. I don't know if you got woken up by your phone going off or something as well or if you guys were already mm -hmm. still up or um, 
yeah, there was a bad or not. Yeah, it was just a bad storm. And so a lot of flights got delayed. And so uh, there was at least one caster from all three games that was not there at the start of the show Saturday morning. Uh, and so we had to kind of adjust with that, but that's okay. It's part of live production. You're going to have things like that go wrong. Um, it was April Fool's Day. So we tried to do some like kind of fun stuff with the broadcast. Uh, we all wore giant pins as opposed to like the normal regular size <laughs> pin. Didn't say anything about it, just wore them. Uh, and we actually had a fun caster showdown planned that we didn't get to use because there wasn't ever pretty much the only time we can do a caster showdown is if a round ends in like 25 to 30 minutes and then we have time to do one if not then it's really hard to do one uh because we don't want to cut into like the actual tournament right and um we're not gonna like hold up the tournament for us to do a silly little caster showdown but what we were gonna do since it was april fool's day is we were gonna shuffle together two different standard decks just like normal competitive standard decks just shuffle them together and then randomly deal out 60 cards into two stacks and have players play the two decks against each other and just like see what would have happened um it would have been absolute chaos it would have been hilarious maybe we'll still do that at some point in the future even though it won't be april fool's day um it could have been some year. fun though what's up <laughs> That's always, always next year, potentially. Always next year, yeah. If there's a tournament I'm... on April on Fool's April Day, Fools. though. <laughs> yeah. But yeah, it was good. It was overall a fun tournament. I actually kind of liked, I don't know, like Fort Wayne's not like a super flashy or exciting city, but I kind of just like the, I don't know, low-key vibes of a town where there's not much going on. Um, so, I don't know. It was fun. Uh, but yeah, other than that, yeah, we can move on to... Our first topic today, talking about the end of the Sword and Shield block. Now, like Sword and Shield cards are not all rotating from the standard format, but we are losing those first few sets of cards, everything with a D regulation mark. And it is a little weird now because, like, for example, Quick Ball, which came out in Sword and Shield base set, but also came out in Fusion Strike. Uh, Quick Ball will not be legal because it's it goes by regulation mark, not by what set the card came out in, which is like the first time that we've had a rotation where this applies finally, right? It's always been by sets for us. Japan has been on a regulation mark thing for a long time now, ever since Sun and Moon Base set, I think. Um, but we finally kind of got caught up with that. So this is our first rotation where you got to look at the bottom left corner and look for not the set symbol, but for the regulation mark to see if your card is legal. And also something that was kind of unique about this past format, even though this format was super played out, um, it's not too often that an entire block of cards is legal for a standard format. So like, for example, the entire X and Y series of cards was never legal at the same time for yeah. uh, a standard format. So we never had like an X and Y through evolutions format actually take place. But we did for Sword and Shield. We had a Sword and Shield all the way through uh, Crown Zenith format take place, which is kind of cool. So it's kind of cool to like be able to look back on. Obviously, this format was super played out and everyone got pretty tired of it. <laughs> um, we can maybe give our final thoughts on the format later, but why don't we just kick off chatting about some of these results from these last three events of this format? Because there's three events that took place this weekend. Yeah, so we had uh, Fort Wayne Regionals that me and Chip went to Sydney Regionals or Regionals in Sydney. Uh, and then there was a, a regional... Uh, event in the philippines um and the one we we're at fort wayne was won by gudra i guess gudra finally getting its dub right it's had a ton of second placements throughout yes. uh 
this last half of the format, I feel like a ton of second placements. Stefan had one. Uh, we've got second place in Vancouver. Yep. Uh, yeah, Kobe. Uh, and now finally getting the dub. It even got Maxwell second place Johnson. as well in Utrecht, I think, right? Yeah. Oh, yeah. yeah. <laughs> second and third in Utrecht. <laughs> yeah. Uh, and Maxwell Johnson finally getting the dub with the Gudra. Uh, it, took, uh, it took a while, but yeah, finally made its way there. And the list was like definitely... Uh, different the big thing that stood out to me is that it played ultra ball which we yeah. hadn't seen i think any other like top eight in Gujra list play yeah it was definitely um a little bit different in that aspect also a couple copies of melanie which i don't think anyone else was playing yeah as no well. one's playing melanie either i don't think so definitely some unique things there i actually don't hate the melanies to be honest like sometimes you don't even need to mirage gate to power up your Gujra. uh the game can be a little slower usually your opponent a lot of times your opponent will just approach the game a little more cautiously and slowly just due to the nature of your deck right the fact that you are a damage reducing deck they want to save their resources so they might have a slower turn one or turn two and melanie can aid itself like melanie is a way you can attack turn two with gudra without um having enough cards in the lost zone to mirage gate right which is kind of cool yeah definitely so it like gives you like an option for like a turn two attack right you get turn one attachment Turn to Melanie plus attach. Yep. Going first or going second. So a little bit more consistent. It's like, it feels like maybe more consistent. I mean, there's no Luminian in here, but that was like increases your draw supporter outs by like two. You got the four colors with the two Melanie. So uh, yeah, and a more interesting take. Another interesting take on the Guja, as interesting as it can get, I guess, with the <laughs> the variety we have. But <laughs> it's not going to matter much because we are moving forward. I mean, Guja could still be good, but a lot changes, I think, for the deck moving forward, like a lot of the decks. Yeah, I think the meta changes maybe a bit as well. I don't know. Yeah, Gudra's a deck that doesn't lose too much. It loses quick ball. Oh, you know, most don't even play quick ball. What am I saying? Yeah, no quick ball. Um, <laughs> the capture. Well, you have to like scoop up net is pretty much it, actually. Yeah. I think and and capture, a... capture energy is kind of a big deal, but yeah, nest ball. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and then, yeah, like the lack of scoop up net, I don't think it affects it affects Gudra way less than it affects like other loss zone decks because you're not For really sure. trying to pop off. You just kind of want to get there, right? Like, you don't need to get 10 things in the loss zone turn two. You don't really care about anything like that. You just like, like, you know, by turn two, turn three, you get to seven in the loss zone. I'm chilling. Yeah, for sure. And Maxwell Johnson, the guy, Max Johnson, the guy who won the tournament, he's been playing Gudra this entire season. He's at his first regionals this year was Arlington, and he's played Gudra at all four events he went to. And he made day two at all four events as well. So we got a 108th finish and then improved to a top 64 with 39th, top 64 with 42nd, and then broke into top eight and his first top eight he actually takes the whole tournament down which is pretty sick so congrats to max on getting the win noah sawyer got second place with lugia archaeops pretty straightforward list what we've become used to seeing feels like everyone is pretty much on the same list as what ian rob won vancouver with that kind of the meta has centralized around that being the the lugia list to go based off of right with maybe one variation uh, and Noah did choose to play the Snorlax. That was the one kind of off the wall card here. Yeah. So not too much of a difference there. Yeah. And the Lugia is basically standardized at the end of the uh, format. And I don't think there's anything too ridiculous else to point out from Fort Wayne. Pretty standard from there. I already talked about Grant making the top eight, had the bad Drago in it, but we already saw that from Charlie Kerr the week before as well. Yeah. Um, the one deck that is kind of is definitely going to be its last hurrah was Brent Tonneson's uh, winning deck from Sydney Regionals. The uh, with the uh, what's it called? Lost Ray. Lost Ray. I think it's, it's Lost Ray's first dub as well. It might be. Um, uh, did it Lost Ray get any other, other dubs? Australian regions or was no, that, that was Lost like dogs? the Lost Dogs? 
Okay. Um, and this this deck is just done after rotation. You lose the Ray, you lose the Raikou. <laughs> you still got Sableye and Cram, and I'm sure there was there's still definitely going to be Lost Box decks post rotation. But the the Amazing Rare decks are just cooked after this because they all rotate. No more Amazing Rare Pokemon uh, moving forwards. Uh, and this list was a little bit different as well from what we had been seeing. Um, that uh, Brent decided to run no Trading Court Double Air Balloon. Uh, which is like an interesting card to have access to, constantly have access to and play to help deal with when you get Marnied and stuff. So it's always nice for yeah, that. Yeah. Uh, the other thing that's uh, no switching cart for escape rope, no switching cart. Uh, I think those are like the main things that kind of uh, stood out to me. But uh, yeah, Lost Ray or Raikou Ray, Lost Ray. Yeah, finally getting it, <laughs> finally getting its dub as well. I'm pretty sure it hadn't won any other events up to this point, but it got close. Yeah, um, I know Pablo has been a massive fan of this deck, the the whole format. He thinks this is the best deck of the format. Um, yeah. That he does, he doesn't feel like anything he plays against, he's going to have an unwinnable matchup. You, I mean, and that's true. You do have answers for pretty much everything you could go up against. Like if you hit Duraludon or Gudra, you've got the high damage output of Ray against Mirrors. You've got the Sableyes and the Raiko is very strong, obviously. Uh, Brent did have double boss in here, but double boss has become pretty much standard here at the end of the format in lost box decks. It feels like everyone moved to the two boss. Um, and then, yeah, Raihan, just such a powerful card to get you back in energy and get any card out of your deck, any combo piece. And in a combo oriented deck like this, very, very strong. Yeah, definitely. Um, and then second place was uh, Jeremy Lim with uh, the Lost Dogs deck. So Lost Dogs still doing well over in Australia. Once again, not going to be a viable deck anymore. But yeah, the Lost Dogs, um, which we saw win the last major tournament in Australia. And also uh, Matthew Burst also made top eight with the exact same 60 as uh, as Brent. So the yeah. list in general doing very well, not just Brent. Another one in there with Matthew Burst. Yeah, Lost box in general doing really really well yeah um well, after we hadn't seen lost box do well for a, a while right like it'd been a while since we had seen lost box and now four of them uh in top eight out of australia yeah but the last the time format. it did like really had a huge impact on the top eight it was in perth which was you know it got first second, and eighth so i mean just down under they just they really love lost box i guess you know? <laughs> <laughs> i mean it's a powerful deck right it's a powerful deck yeah. it's got so many options and when you put it in you know hands of really good and capable players like brent jeremy and matthew of course it's gonna have good results uh we do yeah. see shane quinn here in top eight with the vikavolt top eight one more time for the vikavolt another deck that uh is not gonna exist post rotation because vikavolt itself rotates yeah, so last hurrah for the the Vika Vault, um, Arctura in top eight as well. We're gonna still have all the all the pieces for Arctura going into the rotation. It's not gonna probably be as powerful because Lugia won't be like thirty percent of the format, but yeah, um, it could Hyper still Potion be played. Does rotate, which could matter, but we Shoot. even had some lists here at the end of the format that were moving away from Hyper Potion, right? Yeah, with the catchers. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know how good that actually <laughs> is, but yeah, cutting back on everything, trying to add some catchers and there more gusts to chase the the chops down once they make their way into play. The Yvetal never gets set up against the Lugia. And there was a couple Lugias in top eight as well, two Lugias in top eight there. But uh, the final one, final regional to take a look at was in the Philippines. Uh, Adrian Lasco with the dub with the probably the most off-the-wall, off-meta deck uh, of the three. Uh, the weirdest deck in the top eight of the three as well was with a Flaffy Box, which isn't like a, a new deck, but, you know, definitely not a deck you ex you expect to see winning tournaments consistently for sure. Yeah, you got to do a double take every single time you see this one, right? Um, <laughs> but it is cool to see. And I do think it has a solid Lugia matchup. And if we look at this top eight, it's a lot of Lugia. Um, so I'm assuming Adrian was able to dodge the Arceus Duraludon, which is probably the worst matchup for the deck of the decks yeah. here in the top 16. 
It does have um, a Raichu, but just one, so it definitely feels like it'd make it. But it does have double ordinary rod. I guess on sure. on that on the other side, it only has three Flaffy, so you can't even set up like the quad Flaffy board up against Arc Duraldon like you'd like to. Yeah, the thing that was most interesting to me about this list is that there's not a lot of supporters, draw supporters specifically. It's four research, mm -hmm. one Serena as the draw supporters, and then three bosses orders as well. So no Marnie, um, which is, you know, some count of Marnie had been pretty standard in this deck up to this point. And there's also only a four, three Flaffy line. So um, I don't know. Seems like it was enough. The ordinary rods, you know, if one of your Flaffy goes down, you just boom, get it back. <laughs> um the pukimuku that additional draw power i do like the gormandize snorlax actually a lot uh, yeah in this deck i think gormandize is actually pretty good and pukimuku actually does make sense it's kind of a silly little card but once you get set up you kind of just have extra level balls and quick balls kind of hanging around mm -hmm. with this deck so i i don't really hate the pukimuku personally yeah it is funny to kind of compare this list to the last list that did pretty well of the flappy box i got like 17th at utrecht that list played it 12 draw supporters yeah, uh, yeah. Uh, three of them were serena so i don't like to call serena draw supporter because it's, sure. it's awful as a draw supporter. it's literally terrible in every situation but it does you know, say the draw word draw cards. on it it yeah. says the word draw so and so it's funny to compare it 12 versus the uh the five in this build but yeah the, the snorlax kind of doubles as a draw supporter in a lot of opening hands um and then especially going first and then yeah the pukimuku maybe means you do have like a smaller deck overall and even like the plus one scoop up net and heavier speed lightning energy as well like four speed lightning energy the plus one scoop up net can also mean that you can use greninja like an extra time during your turn so it's kind of like the this list is like less draw supporters but the other cards you're playing in place of those draw supporters kind of effectively makes you have like a smaller deck overall right so like higher chance of drawing into your researches um turn to turn and that really is the supporter you want to see is research you're trying to research with this deck yeah energy in the discard pile you got a lot of stage ones to set up so uh but yeah cool to see the flaffy box you know uh something a little bit more off the wall get its dub a lot of lugia in top cut besides it three other lugias dura and some and some lost box did well here as well yeah really cool to see the flaffy box uh probably one of my favorite decks to play honestly from this last format i really enjoyed playing the flaffy box um but yeah that's the results so that's that's the last three tournaments of this format we're moving on scarlet and violet is here Finally. yeah finally <laughs> um <laughs> because we have had this format for a while so i mean this is the format we've been playing pretty much since laic which took place thanksgiving weekend so back in november and we're in yeah. april now um you mentioned uh you mentioned this is the first time that we've played with an entire block in the standard legal format but japan always does it right i don't japan think always so. Yeah, oh, they, they do rotate always... later than us, right? Yeah, so I think they always play in this format, right? Because they played in Crown Zenith format, um, but it just didn't last as long as it did for us. Um, I do kind of want to like... fact check myself now. If I'm... we've ever done it before? I'm pretty sure have. we have not. I don't think. Oh, no, no. I guess we did once when it was uh, 2010 when we didn't rotate. Um, and we got Hortz. That was got a Hort long Silver. time yeah. ago. But yeah. That's the only other time that I can think of in North America where it happened. That was where we just didn't rotate at all. They were just like, there's no rotation. And then they did a rule change, and then Sable Donk became broken. And they were like, okay, let's just do a midseason rotation now. And it was like, <laughs> yeah, okay, yeah. sure. So they kind of didn't know what was going on. Uh, <laughs> and then they called us back up. But I'm pretty sure Japan, yeah, Japan always has bigger formats than we do, bigger, like more sets before yeah. they rotate. So no, I think you're right. Um, and hopefully, I'm hoping that we follow, like, we're as a, we are rotating later than they are, but we're playing in the exact same formats that they're playing in. So I'm hoping that that kind of stays true next year as well, is that we rotate after this. We, we, we stay in the same formats that Japan has. Like, if mm -hmm. they rotate after 
I don't know, Scarlet and Violet five or whatever. Would that would be at a five or four? If they rotate after that, we also rotate after that, hopefully, um, and keep us in line. Even if we don't rotate at the same time as they do, which it would be nice if we had a closer rotation to what they have. Of course, I would have to align up with our, us getting the sets uh, closer to the time that they get the sets. I think the set uh, release is, is the big the big thing there, right? Yeah, set releasing at the same time. Um, I don't mind if they delay our. I don't mind if they delay our rotation a bit to line up to have the same formats as Japan does. So as long as it stays closer to that, that's fine. Of course, hopefully the format's not as bad as this format was, and like our crown zenith set, whatever that is next year, actually has an impact on the format. Yeah, so it's kind of interesting because um, I've seen a lot of discussion about this format, and looking back. No, it was awful. Do you do you think you so you really think yeah. it was just awful? It was a terrible, was terrible bad format. format. When you have a deck like Lugia that you can't even like, no deck was ever like. Maybe you had like a slight advantage, but no deck was ever truly advantaged against Lugia. I feel like, and that's like a problem. And then even the decks I mean, that like is that not the case for decks like um you know lux chomp back in 2010 right like is is that not the case there that lux chomp was just the best deck and no deck had a favorable matchup it could beat lux chomp but it it never had a favorable is that not true um, for like you know maybe what what I think a lot of the matchups were closer back then like across the board my thing with lugia is that like the only deck that truly had like a like if it would it's it would be nice if throughout the the meta that you could like uh, sometimes pick up a deck that just had a favorable, a really favorable Lugia matchup and you could do well because you didn't just lose to everything else, which is like quad wheezing existed and quad wheezing basically did auto win Lugia, but quad wheezing sucked against everything else, which is really, really bad um, against like Mew. It was like an auto loss against lost box. You're like 50, 50, like, so it was, it was impossible to ever pick up quad wheezing and actually bring it to a tournament. So it'd be nice if there was like a deck out there that was actually like, like 90 or 80, 20 Lugia that you could pick up throughout some of the metas that happened in this format but it but felt like there was never an opportunity like, to do that for like if you, i think back on just like all the best decks of various formats like the formats that people like too so back to like i don't know 2017 naic format right you, was there a deck you could pick up that auto won drampa garb i don't know if there was to be honest but i don't think that format's as good as people think it is because i think drampa garb <laughs> was way better than i think drampa garb was like by far in a way the bdif or maybe espion garb one of them um, okay but so yeah, think, uh, all right well let me ask you this favorite format of yours like from the last you know 10 years that I, you've played. you know to be what honest do, part of think but to be honest with that part of that might be that the develop the formats develop so much quicker uh, and this format was around for a longer time so see it, that's it what get stale, i think but I, I don't think but i don't think this format was that like good at all like it I was just think... like a bunch of decks struggling to try and keep up with lugia but it, nothing ever could compete against it I don't think this format was amazing by any means, but I don't think it was as bad as it feels right now. Uh, and I think it is in large part because we have played it for so, so long. We're just kind of tired know. of it. I mean, to me, one of my, and I think this comes from you, you you've always said your favorite Pokemon format is the next Pokemon format, right? Whatever's coming yeah. up next. When you, you, what you enjoy the most about the Pokemon TCG is looking at the new set, finding new strategies and trying to implement them and find new creative decks, right? Um, and I, I think that's like what makes trading card games unique is that they're always changing every few months. You get new sets, you have new splashes, yeah. new impacts to the meta, right? Um, and we just didn't have that, right, for six months. We got Crown Zenith, added two relevant cards, RIP Radiant Eternatus. That's the third, didn't count. Um, <laughs> so, yeah, I don't know. It, to me, it almost feels more like it was a little bit too played out. Now, 
am I going to build retro decks from this format? I don't no. think so. I saw a lot of people <laughs> saying that they wanted to. Um, I don't know why. <laughs> it is kind of an interesting thing as well, because so we talked about build it like the the block format, right? That has become a pretty popular way for people to build retro decks as opposed to building for the world championship formats, which is how I personally have chosen to build my retro decks is I usually just pick a format um, for the world championships that year and build decks for it. Then uh, a lot of people nowadays do block formats. So people will build Ruby Sapphire through power keepers, RSPK, the EX block, right? People build yeah. that format. That's a really popular one. Uh, Diamond and Pearl through Arceus. Arceus, I think, is the last one, right? People build Diamond and per DP block formats. Um, so that's become kind of a popular way to build. More recently, though, like XY block, Sun and Moon block, and even Sword and Shield block, I don't know that I see too many people doing that. So maybe we're just still a little too close to those formats existing, right? I haven't really seen black and white block either, but maybe we'll get to a point where... I mean, I, I do think it's kind of cool, though, that, like, 10 years down the line, if someone wanted to build the Sword and Shield block, there's so much tournament data for them to be able to pull and and uh, build decks from, right? Um, and if you yeah. look at the decks that did well through this tournament, like... There is a pretty decent variety. I mean, we, we're looking at like 15 different possible archetypes, right? I mean, six of those are probably Lost Box versions, but, um, you know, that like you could build and theoretically build a format with, right? Yeah, definitely. Um, yeah, it probably, that might be part of it as well. But I, yeah, I don't think I'd ever want to go back and like play old format from like this uh this year one of my favorite actually old formats like now that you were talking about like older formats like past 10 years like harkle soul silver was always uh i always enjoyed that format even though there was like it wasn't like that good but like and there was like stuff like reversal in the format and stuff i still like going back and playing like those type of decks i don't know, maybe it's just because i like primes a lot or something but i was a big fan of harkle soul silver so like 2011 time frame yeah. I, I don't know dude i think a lot of people look back at that format and hate it <laughs> I, mean, I don't that think is, it was great that is not I, a popular one i didn't really play it either because i didn't go to national like the mid-season rotation hit I, I, I didn't back then like i didn't like go to everything i didn't even have cards like i didn't go to nationals that year little um, middle school was all <laughs> yeah i didn't even go to i didn't go to nationals that had no plans to go to worlds or anything like that so uh, but i'm talking about like the format after that the formats after that i, I enjoyed a lot dpst sure sure uh, like stuff the like that and stuff yeah, early, yeah. so like heart gold so silver early black and white pre yeah -X's, like yeah, before mewtwo yeah. came out right mm -hmm. yeah yeah that's cool yeah i've heard that i've i have actually heard people saying that they they do enjoy that format uh, a lot of yeah, baby like flips, that. though, I think, right? A lot of baby donk, like Tyrogue donk was... <laughs> it was less of it once the black and white stuff came out, if I remember correctly. There was, like, okay. less of it. Uh, sure. No, it was still pretty relevant, I think. Yeah, I don't really remember. But we had Catcher at that point, though, I think. So that, like, took part of... Uh, True. It made it less relevant, for sure. We got Catcher in black and white, right? It was in Emerging Power, so it was, like, the second or third black and okay. white set, if I remember yeah. right. Yeah. But yeah, I enjoyed I enjoyed those kind of that format for sure. But yeah, maybe maybe we'll look back. I don't think I'll ever look back on this format and be like, okay, if someone has old decks to play with, they're like, yo, I got the 2023 <laughs> uh, Silver Tempest uh, or Crown Zenith format. You want to play? I'm like, nope. You got anything else? <laughs> like, you got anything go else? Yeah. <laughs> 
I mean, even though you want a, an internationals in this format, you don't think you'll ever look back and want to play Lost nope. Box again? Nope. Uh, no, nah, not really. Maybe in this format. Maybe in in this format, I'd want to play. Go back and play Lost Box. We'll have to wait and see how how this one feels. Lost Origin, Lost Box was pretty cool. Um, but even like NAIC format, I don't want to go back and play NAIC format, even though I want to. Well, yeah. <laughs> well, that format really sucked. That format, that format was, was way worse terrible. than this format. Yeah. There was yeah, no terrible. variety there. I, mean, okay, I feel like well, this format is. Well, I feel like this format is kind of like that format. It's just like there's other like you had Palkia and then you had stuff like Arkantel and Mew that could kind of keep up with it. I just feel like this format had more decks that could kind of keep up with Lugia, um, because we just have more sets than we did back then, right? Yeah, but it's not right. much. I mean, there was still a lot of sets legal for. Yeah, but we've only added. We haven't rotated like from NAIC to now. We didn't rotate ever. We just but there added was more, more sets. than enough. Like I mean, stuff that's doing well now, like. I don't know. I mean, I guess a lot of the stuff like, doing well now. The really only thing would be like Eternatus, I guess. Uh, yeah. Vikavolt, all the stuff for Vikavolt existed back then. Nobody could play it, right? Yeah. Um, I was how the meta kind of shifted was like we just had more and more sets. So like Lugia was the dominant 30% deck, but there was like such a bigger mix of everything under that that you could you, now it's like possible to play stuff like like the Vikavolt and um, I don't know, Arctura or whatever. I guess Arctura was played back then as well, but you know what I'm saying. A little more. Reggie's. Reggie's got gift energy, I guess. But yeah, you know what I'm saying. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Reggie's got a lot better when gift energy came out. All right. Well, I think we can put a nice little bow on this format and move on and not talk, talk about, about it, it again, again for a yep. long, long, long time. Yeah, hopefully ever. Hopefully ever. Um, but yeah, next thing we want to talk about is uh, just organized play updates in general. A couple things to talk about. The first thing I want to talk about real fast um, to kind of just uh, go over it one more one more time. Hopefully the last time um, is we talked about the Makani situation last week. And I think quite a few people um, took mine and your opinions incorrectly, I guess is the best way to put it. Um, we maybe didn't word uh, the way we kind of thought about it um, as best as we should have. So just kind of rephrase kind of our thoughts or my thoughts, at least on that. I think Chip follows most of my opinions on this as well. Um, the biggest problem I had with it overall Especially once uh, I didn't even like hear about the stuff about like people doxing one of the judges like workplace and stuff until I think we talked about it on the episode, which that that kind of stuff I think everyone can agree is obviously like disgusting and shouldn't happen. Um, but even the situation of like the judges, even if you like ignore that stuff, the amount of people that were going after the judges and wanting them to like never be able to judge again or, you know, to get banned from Pokemon from judging and all that stuff <clears throat> still is like in my opinion, going way too far. If you want to be mad at someone, you should be mad at TPCI and um, pushing for them to kind of, you know, make statements about these situations. Because um, for all we know, maybe Makani did lie, right? I'm not saying Makani did lie, but what if Makani did lie? And then we, people are all out here, you know, uh, being mad at the judges that uh, handled the situation for Makani and wanting them to be banned and all this stuff. And Makani, you know, lied the whole time, right? I'm not saying Makani lied. I don't think Makani did lie. Um, we we even saw like from the tweet from Alex Shemansky saying, you know, what Makani said, Alex felt like it could have been maybe taken offensively, right? So um, the big thing is we don't have these statements from the judges or specifically TPCI, which is where they should be coming from, right? Um, so that's who you should be mad at. You should be mad at you should be mad at the judges because we don't know the full story. You should feel bad. It's fine to feel bad and sympathetic towards Makani's situation. Um, and we even saw like you know. GoFundMe was put together, uh, and a ton of people, you know, helped out Makani um, with uh, with that, and it was great to see that be super successful. And I think that's good that, like, you know, that GoFundMe for Makani was super successful. 
um, and that a lot of people were sympathetic to Makani's situation. I was personally sympathetic to Makani's situation, but I don't think we should be attacking judges and people should be calling them out, uh, especially when like people got one of the judges wrong, right? One of the judges that wasn't even uh, in this, involved in the situation was called out, which is like, you know, once again, that's like a super unfortunate, disgusting situation that people are going out of their way to like just call out random judges without even confirming who the judges were that were involved in the situation. Then people are doxing one of the judges' workplaces, you know, being like, this is the work. Like, that's like super disgusting unreasonable behavior but even if you bring it rain it back a little bit and you're still just asking for the judges to be permabanned and stuff it's like you don't know the full situation no one can know the full situation um so you shouldn't be going after the judges until we hear that side of the story um but because we're never going to hear that side of the story the people you should be mad at is tpci and you should be like we need to hear a statement from you about this you shouldn't just be going after the judges because once again i'm not saying makani lied but it's possible Makani was really offensive with the way Makani handled the situation, and maybe the DQ was a little bit more reasonable than we all think, right? So I think um, that's where I sit on it. I think Chip feels similarly about the situation, but is there anything else you wanted to? Because uh, I think like in the in the comments a lot, we a lot of people were kind of acting like me and Chip were being like TPCI or just kind of uh, judge apologists, which is not like my stance at all on it. I think it's very possible that they should be held to some kind of uh, punishment. Um, but without knowing the full story, I don't think it's right for us to just go around, you know, screaming, ban the judges, um, and all the other stuff that kind of happened. So I think it's, we should be mad at TPCI for not putting out statements in these kind of situations. Um, and hopefully that's something we see moving forward. Anything yeah, I definitely, no, I definitely agree with a lot of what you said. And I agree that a lot of people, I think, I, I yeah, I, I guess we just didn't really word our thoughts the best and did, I think we came off as more of judge apologists than we are. Uh, mostly due to the fact of what we were trying to say in regards to um, how we feel like it's an opportunity to become better. And it's unfortunate that, I mean, it, so if you take everything Makani said as truth, right, um, then he should not have been DQ'd from the tournament. If you take everything Makani said as exact truth, and it's exactly the way that it played out. I don't think, I think it could have been looked at as a learning opportunity and something for him to grow from give him a game loss, move on to the next round. But then we see the stuff from Alex, you know, where Alex said that um, the way that Makani acted during the whole situation definitely could have been seen as offensive. Um, and we just don't know the full story. We just don't know the full story. And that's what it is. Um, and maybe that is something that could change moving forward. And it's probably a good transition to just talk about a tweet that Pokemon made actually tonight before a few hours before we started recording here. Uh, they tweeted out on the Play Pokemon page an important message from the Play Pokemon program. And I'm just going to read it real quick. The Play Pokemon program is founded on the principles of mutual respect and creating a welcoming space for all players, professors, parents, staff, and spectators alike. In response to recent events, we are investigating the most effective ways to keep the community informed about significant changes and incidents concerning play Pokemon activities. Our community are our partners in upholding the integrity of this program and to provide better support, we recognize the importance of increasing transparency and evaluating our processes. We appreciate your patience as we work towards evolving our program, policies, and this partnership. In the spirit of the game and our community, we appreciate everyone continuing to support one another with honor and respect. Thank you. Um, so 
this message obviously doesn't say anything. This is no statement that like is saying anything that has happened in any specific situation. But to me, this is recognition of the way that we're doing things right now is maybe not the best way to go about things. We should evaluate what we're doing and try to find a way to more clearly communicate. I mean, in things they specifically mention in here is um, uh, transparency, which is like, <laughs> has been that, that word. We, we have said <laughs> the word transparency and wanting to see the Pokemon company be more transparent dozens of times over the course of this podcast the last year. Because to me... Yeah an increase in transparency would just solve so many of the community's complaints and issues, just like keeping people filled in, keeping people in the loop of what's going on and change does not come easy, but maybe we're in the early steps of something like that happening. And one more thing as well, before you hop in, um, we titled last week's episode, the biggest thing to ever happen to the Pokemon TCG. And that was before it really, really blew up. The situation with Makani really hit the mainstream, like to the point that my yeah. mom texted me an <laughs> article that she found online that said, do you know? And she said, do you know about this? And it was a link to just some article on some website about Pokemon player DQ'd from tournament. Um, like it, it th this is something that has massively hit the mainstream media. It was written about on Fox News. It's been written about on ABC. It's been written about by dozens of local news stations. I've seen Facebook articles like like from news stations that have um, thousands of comments on them. Like this has gotten, I think, way bigger than Makani ever thought it would. And definitely anyone at Pokemon ever thought it would whenever things were happening. Any of the judges like in the moment, no, no one is thinking about how big this situation could be outside of the tournament. They're just trying to make the best decision with the information that they have, whether or not that necessarily happened. Maybe with this message from Pokemon, we'll, we'll find out more about that. I I don't know. What are your thoughts as well on this statement and just kind of how the situation has evolved over the last week since we talked about it on the podcast. Yeah, I mean, this is definitely like uh, this is definitely a response to the Makani situation and then potentially the situation that happened in Vancouver. Sure. Um, so it's like and hopefully I mean, I it's this is a this is kind of like, you know, how people joke about announcements of announcements. This is like a statement about statements. <laughs> it's like <laughs> it a is, statement yeah. saying in the future we'll make statements and it's possible. And it seems like we might even get a statement from them eventually about the Makani situation, I think, for sure. I think it's definitely possible. If not, hopefully moving forwards. Uh, in those judging situations, um, we will get those kind of statements, and, I, and it makes me like it makes me think like, is this like, is the Makani situation something that had to happen for them to actually realize that they need to be making these kind of statements moving forwards? And is it something that had to happen? Right, the way things evolve in throughout humanity, like something bad has to happen for, to be like okay to make sure that doesn't happen again, or it happens, uh, or we can respond to it better you know, that initially bad thing has to happen, right? So it was this kind of like a situation where we needed the Makani situation to happen. It'd be nice if it didn't have to happen, right? But it almost feels like maybe we needed the Makani situation to happen so that way Pokemon moving forward, you know, would take this approach, you know? Yeah. Um, like if the Makani situation ever happens, do we ever get this comment from Pokemon? Do they ever plan to hopefully be more transparent with things moving forward? Um, I don't know. So maybe it is kind of, I guess at the end of the day, it's always going to be like one of those like silver lining things. Um, but it almost feels like maybe it was ne uh, necessary, even if we can all agree we don't want the Makani situation to have to happen to make this happen. But, you know, this is the only reason we probably got this this message from Pokemon. So hopefully, you know, 
this is the a step in the right direction. And they actually, hopefully, we get a statement on the Makani situation. And that's what we wanted. That's what I'm saying. That's what we should push for. We shouldn't pu- have pushed for banning the judges that were involved in the Makani situation. We should push for TPCI doing an investigation on the Makani situation and then making a statement on the Makani situation. And then from there, maybe Pokemon says, okay, we're going to put these judges or people on probation or, you know, we're watching them closely and we feel like they definitely messed up here, but we believe that they will be better moving forwards. Yeah. Um, and not just jump to the conclusion of, oh, these judges should be banned um, for, you know, whatever these judges should be banned just because they feel like Makani was wronged. I mean, we don't know because we don't know the full situation, but hopefully that's what we should have been pushing for is we should be pushing for TPCI to um, take responsibility for it and be like, well, now you got you should do an investigation. You should make a statement. You should let the community know how you plan to handle these kind of situations moving forward. And we have this statement now saying, hopefully they will make more statements in the future Yeah, have more transparency with the community. Yeah, it's definitely a statement about a statement, right? And I think a yeah, lot potential of- Potential statements. Seen a, I've seen a lot of, pe- yeah, potential statement. That is important. <laughs> uh, I've seen a lot of people calling this like the bare minimum. And I do agree with that. Like, I mean, this is probably the bare minimum at this point, but I think it's important to recognize the situation that this is something Pokemon has never done, right? Yeah. So I think it is better for them to put this out now then so like let's say they are still i think that let's say that pokemon is like currently doing an investigation on the situation that maybe it could have been done this past week maybe they're still formulating exactly how they want to move forward right this is not something that's going to happen quickly things happened quickly when the incident happened right it was in the matter of a few hours but now um reviewing the things that took a few hours can take weeks right because you want to make sure it's thorough and things are done properly so they don't even know if they have they they don't know if they even have someone at pokemon who they're going to have look at this like they probably have to figure out who who they're at tbci who's going to be like okay who do we who do we make you know judge and jury for this kind of situation to begin with so yeah um as always they're they're a little bit slow on everything tbci is and they should have done better i think uh, and this kind of thing should have been a thing a while ago. Mm-hmm. Um, but once again, it kind of feels like it's, it feels bad to say, but it is kind of like better late than never, I guess, kind of situation. But it feels like it's always that way with TPCI. So it doesn't feel great. Yeah. I guess at least it's happening. But like, let's say, because um, this is something they've never done. So let's say like, this is an investigation that's going to take three weeks to do. Would you rather them have said nothing? And then three weeks to a month after the situation occurs, they make their statement, right? Um, or would you rather something like this where it's like we're looking at how to move forward with this, we get this statement, and then now a couple weeks from now, potentially we get something else, right? Like yeah, I guess I, I mean it's, yeah, getting the statement first definitely feels better than yeah. It, it, this at least I think should allow people to feel heard, which yeah. I think is something that people have not felt for a long time from the Pokemon It also program. kind of it also kind of clarifies that. Hopefully, if there is a statement on the Makani situation, that there will be future statements about such DQs and bans. And this is not just like, well, the Makani situation got really, really big. So then they just put out a statement about that. And now we can't, now we're not even sure if we'll get future statements with future situations like this, right? But I think mm-hmm. this does kind of clean that up as well, which is nice. It's like, okay, I guess they haven't confirmed if they're going to say anything on the Makani situation. But if they say something on that, we also can expect future statements from that as well. It's not just, oh, well, Fox News. It got to the point where Fox News covered it. So now they kind of have to make a statement. And if nothing else gets as big as Fox News ever again, they're never going to talk about it. So, mm-hmm. And with I, I assume this was in a reaction to this, uh, to everything that happened with Makani. I can't imagine that a lot of these things were planned moving into Fort Wayne. But there was actually like a pretty decent 
presence from TPCI at Fort Wayne Regional. So like the regional championships, for those who don't know, are not run by the Pokemon company themselves. They are run by individual tournament organizers who are contracted by the company, the Pokemon Company International, to run these events. Um, there's always a few Pokemon Company International people at all of these tournaments. Uh, but at Fort Wayne this past weekend, there was like a good bit more than normal. And even um, Dave Schwimmer, who is the head of organized play, like the, I think like the senior man, like Dave Schwimmer has been at the Pokemon Company since like the early 2000s. He's like one of the original people of organized play at the Pokemon Company. He was at this tournament um, and he's yeah, like Schwimmer, you know, is, uh, Schw Schwimmer is him. That is. <laughs> he is him. Yes, he, he is, is him. him. <laughs> uh, and Kiernan actually even made this post. If you guys don't know who Kiernan is, he's very, very vocal about his criticisms and opinions and things that he thinks could be done better with organized play, which is fine. Like, I think that's not a bad thing at all. Yeah. Um, and he even said that he met and had a very nice and reassuring conversation with Dave Schwimmer today. This is from this past weekend in Fort Wayne. He even said, I intend to conduct myself a little more carefully online, at least in criticism of events, knowing that they are listening to us. Change is coming. It just isn't immediate. Um, so, that, I mean, I think that is also like, I mean, almost maybe more comforting for the competitive player side of things than even this statement, right? Like just seeing people like Pokemon was at this event. They're talking to people, talking to the players. And from what I understand as well, people, they were doing interviews with competitive players, trying to gauge ways that they can improve the current organized play system, things that maybe people think they're doing right. Things that they think could be improved. Like just really take trying to, it really does feel like we're at a, a point where they're trying to just hear the community out. Yeah, it definitely seems uh, uh, like a good thing, you know, right? It's it's really hard to tell because, like, I feel like we've had moments in the past where it's felt like I remember way back in, like, 2013, someone got hired for Pokemon who was supposed to be, like, their new, you know, he was, like, he was supposed to, like, bring help bring Pokemon to the modern age. I remember, like, meeting him and talking uh, meeting him and talking to him in like 20 it was 2013 2014 he was like he's like they're not even on twitter we got to get them on twitter he's like talking about all this kind of stuff like bringing bringing pokemon to like the modern age of where everywhere else everyone else is in the world um and not a whole lot came of that um and we see something like this you know they're talking to players you know kiernan talking to schwimmer probably the crossover that no one expected uh <laughs> in 2023 Top 10, top 10 crossover, top 10 unexpected crossovers in 2023. <laughs> it's cool to see, but we do we do need to see something of it, right? And it seems like maybe something's happening, right? We got that statement about making statements. Um, Shrimmer was there, talked to Kiernan. Like, um, I don't know if we'll see too much of this new change happening in uh, happening in 2023, but maybe 2024 is where we really start to see things change for the better for the the Pokemon, the competitive Pokemon scene. Yep, like Kiernan said in his post, change is coming, just isn't immediate. Yeah. And nothing moves quickly at major corporations, and much less whenever. I don't know. I mean, it's hard to give yeah, Pokemon too most, much of. It, it's yeah. hard. It, it's hard to give Pokemon too much credit because it is very slow, and they have so many resources. Right. Um, I don't know. It feels like they do. It feels like they do. They should. It feels like they should. Right. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe it, it doesn't feel like they do, but it feels like they should. Yeah, it feels um, like they should. I don't know. Maybe, maybe um, good things coming. But speaking of good things coming, I don't know. Do you have anything else you want to say before we move on? No, I'm just ready to move on. So you want to go ahead and take it? Go ahead. Yeah. Yeah. Move on to a pretty big announcement. League Cups 
are back. League Cups are returning yeah. to the Pokemon TCG circuit. Uh, really all in-person events, I think. There's going to be VGC. There's a new Pokemon Go setup happening as well. Also League Cups and League Challenges for competitors of the trading card game. So if you don't know what League Cups and League Challenges are, they're part of the organized play tournament series where players can earn championship points to help them qualify for worlds at their local stores and stores are able to run up to one league challenge per month and one league cup per quarter league challenges award championship points up to 15 for first place so not a ton of points but you know if you win a few they stack up and any little bit can help certain, you know, it can help people get to their goals, right. And help them get to their invite. And then league cups, um, the, can give you up to 50 championship points for getting first place. There will be a best finish limit of two for each of these tournament categories. Are they combined or is it each? It's each, right? You can, uh, yeah, each two each two challenges, two cups. Yeah. Two challenges, two cups to count to your world's invite. So if you win four of your local tournaments, you can get, up to 130 points towards your world's invite, which is, I mean, when 350 is the mark, we're getting here to the end of the season. Pretty massive for players. We've talked about League Cups a little bit before on the podcast, talking about, like, will they come back? Will locals come back? Are locals <laughs> coming back? And we didn't think they were. I did not think they were. I thought once yeah. we got to this point that there was no shot they came back for quarter four. But this is a situation where I am glad to have been proven wrong <laughs> because League Cups are back. Yeah, I'm glad to have been proven wrong as well. I think like local terms are such a big deal for like growing the game. And it's actually crazy how big the game has grown uh, post COVID um, or throughout COVID without the assistance of local tournaments. It can only get like that much bigger potentially from local tournaments. I think we are seeing a little bit of people, uh, maybe the numbers of regionals. And I mentioned this like a last episode or a couple episodes ago. Like, I don't think regionals are going to see as big of an increase as we did over the last uh, season and a half because a lot of people are traveling to more of these major tournaments because there's no locals to go to right so as far as getting championship points for your invite or just kind of scratching that competitive itch and wanting to go to you know a competitive pokemon tournament can't do it locally at all um so you know i bet people are going to you know two to three more major tournaments than they normally would have if locals are around right so i think that's one of the reasons for these super high numbers at these major tournaments i would love to be proven wrong and to see like the the major tournaments continue to push for bigger and bigger numbers next season but i think we'll probably see a little bit of a plateau going to next season and maybe an increase from there once locals start back up uh, consistently throughout the whole season but yeah good to see locals back um, and yeah, going to be definitely a relief for a lot of people, you know, pushing for those last couple points for their, for their invites, for sure. It's going to help a lot with that. Um, I personally probably won't attend any local events, um, at all. Are you going to be hitting any up chip? Yeah. It just depends on which ones happen in my area, how close they are. Um, and you know, if they fall on like regionals weekends and stuff like that. So yeah, we'll see. I would love to definitely get out there and play. It feels a little bad because like I would just be going to play and hang out and I'm not competing for points where I know there probably are people who are going to be there that are competing for points. But... Chip's going to be the ultimate Grinch. No chance yeah. of the world's invite. <laughs> and I actually did want to take an opportunity to talk about that because that's something as we're getting back into this, um, uh, into league cups and league challenges and stuff. This is a conversation that has been had forever. And that's like grinching at these tournaments, <laughs> which is like the idea of someone is there who's competing for worlds. And then you just have little Bobby from his locals who wants to just go out and play Pokemon. You dead draw versus him. And then 
Bobby wins and then now you don't get your world's invite, right? Um, Go Bobby. I think it is important to understand that you do not deserve to win any game of the Pokemon TCG, much less a game against Bobby, <laughs> who's just trying yeah. to go out and play Pokemon and have fun. So that that is something that did always come up, especially late in the season at League Cups and League Challenges. And I think it'll be even more amplified in this situation since we have not had them all year. Um, where you'll have situations of competitive players who are going to these tournaments who need to win the tournament or get top four or something like that to get their invite. Um, if you are a player in that position, I think it's important for you to understand you do not deserve to win any game of the Pokemon TCG more than your opponent. Uh, and I, that's really just important for really anyone to grasp, right? Yeah. You do not deserve the win more than anyone else. I think if you start to think differently, that's when people start to go down the rabbit hole of trying to find ways to, you know, lean the odds in their favor, whether that be trying to manipulate their deck in some way, right? Like that, that that's a slippery slope that ultimately leads to someone cheating, right? Um, or uh, trying to convince your opponent like, oh, yeah, are you going for the funny conversation to me is like, oh, are you going for your invite <laughs> is like, that's the conversation. When how you're many points up, do like, you have? Oh, are you going for how many points do you have? How many points do you have? Um, I, I don't know <laughs> if you're going for your invite. Just don't be that guy. That's what I'll say. Don't don't yeah, be that a, person. Just just go play and do your best. Do everything in your power to try to win the tournament. If it doesn't work out for you, it doesn't work out for you. Life will go on. Yeah, definitely don't uh, don't try and pressure anyone. If your opponent asks you, it's like, yo, how many points you got? Uh, how close you're invite? And you're like, yo, I only need like, you know, a top four here. And they're like, oh, okay. And they scoop to you at the end of it all. That's cool, right? Mm -hmm. You know, they don't care. But I mean, if you they can't They are be... the ones who initiated it. You are not putting it on them, right? Yeah, exactly. So yeah, don't put it on them. Uh, I guess the other thing to talk about as far as uh, cups and challenges go is the uh, day two race slash stipends, which is always a constant discussion among players who are competing for them. Um, and my opinion on this is that I think it's been a little wonky in the past. If I, if I remember this correctly, uh, each quarter you could get a best finish limit of eight cups or yes. stipends towards your, uh, or eight cups, a best finish limit. So there's an overall best finish limit of eight for your invite, but then each quarter there was a best finish, finish limit of eight for cups and challenges for stipends and travel awards, which I think was a little bit ridiculous. Uh, and a lot of the, top players uh people who are consistently competing for these stipends and travel awards are kind of against cups and challenges even counting towards travel awards and stipends which i heavily disagree with because i think you want to give the opportunity for anyone to be able to compete for these uh stipends and travel awards to have more incentive for more people to want to be a little bit more competitive you know if they show up to sure. a regional and they make you know a top eight or win it you know they win that like the one of the the first regionals in a quarter, um, but you know they're not one of the players who's going to travel to you know all four or five regionals in that quarter like they're like the potential of some players or like that some players do uh, who are a little bit more competitive players, um, and then maybe they can you know push for a potential stipend or travel award uh, if they you know go win a couple league cups and win a couple challenges, um, and now all of a sudden they can get that stipend or that travel award and now they can go to EYC or LAIC. OCIC is a little bit more expensive than maybe a stipend would you want to go just off a stipend, but one of those potentially. And then all of a sudden this player has a p potential and the opportunity to be more competitive um, and go to one of these international events. So I think uh, Cubs and Challenges should definitely count towards stipends and travel awards. I think the only argument you could make is maybe there shouldn't be, you know, when we get back into the swing of things uh, fully next year with Cups and Challenges every single quarter, uh, maybe you shouldn't have a best finish, finish limit of eight uh, that you can kind of play towards. Um, every quarter 
maybe that's like a little bit too much and kind of forces the grind a little bit too hard. But if it's just like a best finish limit of two each quarter um, and like an overall best finish limit of eight for your invite, and then I think that's fine. But I think cups and challenges definitely should count towards stipends and travel awards. And I'm someone who, you know, I'm one of those players who's constantly competing for stipends and travel awards. And I'm going to go to zero cups and challenges, or that's my current plan is go to zero cups and challenges this quarter coming up quarter four and probably zero cups and challenges next season as well. Um, and I think they should count towards the, uh, the stipends and the travel awards. Cause I think you want the players who know can't go to four regionals a quarter to be able to compete for them. You know, if they get that really good, you know, back-to-back top eights in the two regionals they go to, if they get a dub at a regional, you know, let them have a chance to compete for these uh, stipends and travel awards as well, but not everyone can compete with the people who go to every single regional. Right. Yeah, I agree. I think that they should count, but it should just be the two per quarter. And I think that part of the reason that people, I mean, yeah, it's definitely part of me almost thinks that like the whole eight per quarter thing has to have just been like a back end error that like (laughs) just didn't accidentally got applied. And then by the time it came up, it was like, Oh, too late. This is just the way it is now. And like, cause I just can't envision how someone in organized play could think that, forcing the top end of players to compete and try to get eight finishes for this local series of events while also trying to go to regionals and internationals was a good idea. Um, yeah. I don't know. I just hope that it was a mistake and it's kind of crazy that if it was a mistake, <laughs> it didn't get corrected and fixed, but yeah. this is the life we're living right now. Um, maybe that's one of the things that they heard people talk about this weekend. Maybe it'll, who knows? I don't know. Oh, wishful thinking, probably. But yeah, we'll have to see it. We'll have to wait until see we see we see what the system looks like for yes. 2024. Yeah, so, yeah. This doesn't really tell us anything that they said at a best finish limit of two right now. It tells us like nothing about um, how many cups and challenges you'll have a best finish of, if the best finish limit of in 2024, or yeah. how it could like change with the stipends, uh, travel awards stuff. So we have no clue until actually 2024. But that's definitely a a big discussion amongst the top players that most people don't care about. Uh, overall to be honest <laughs> yeah most really people good just see this as an about. opportunity of a way to get 130 points towards their invite now so yeah, i mean if definitely. if you're someone who was starting to feel like oh man i got a lot riding on naic i've got 250 points now and i've only got one more regionals i'm going to i gotta get top eight to make my invites now you have an opportunity right to to realistically get there um or like you know, maybe you could have realistically gotten there between one more regionals and an AIC still, but now you just, yeah, yeah, there's more of an opportunity. And, um, one player I do want to shout out James Arnold. I saw him talking on Twitter, how he's, he started this weekend with zero championship points and he's decided now he's going for his invite. I think he got excited about some of the card reveals we've seen recently. He's an old school player, loves the comeback mechanics of Iono and the new scramble energy type card react or whatever it was. I don't remember exactly what it was. They got revealed. That's basically scramble energy. Um, so, uh, yeah, maybe we'll we'll see if James can get there on his invite. I think that would be pretty cool to see if someone could start with zero points uh, and get there, get their invite. And he did. Uh, he did get points at this weekend's tournament. I think he got either thirty or forty. I don't know exactly. I think he got forty, but it's pretty cool. I think it was, yeah, I think James has done it before. So I'm yeah. pretty sure James has done it before. Quarter quarter four invite. So we'll see if James can do it. Uh... And yeah, again, actually, it'd be pretty cool to see. I, I did talk to him about it this weekend because I wanted to clarify because it's kind of a cool story I'd like for us to maybe potentially follow this year. <laughs> um, but he it was in 2018 and he did. He started quarter four with 40 points that he had gotten earlier in the year, but he'd like only played one tournament. 
um, but he still got he got over the 40 points necessary for the invite. So he got all amount of points required for the world's invite that year in quarter four, um, which is pretty cool. So we'll see if someone can do that. Maybe someone else can do that too. It'd be pretty sweet to see. And I think with cups and challenges coming back, it does give someone an opportunity to, to maybe push who is someone who, like, so this, there's also a class of people who write like played earlier this year, got 150 points, felt like 500 was just unfeasible and decided not to play anymore. Right. Yeah. Um, now all of a sudden, you know, it's dropped to 350. We've got cups and challenges coming back. We might see people push for their invite a little bit more. Yeah, and it kind of sucks that this information came so late because, you know, it, it does kind of suck for those people who, like, you know, maybe went to one or two regionals to begin it's with true. and was like, you know, I'm just not going to commit to the invite this year. And then maybe there was a couple more regionals they would have picked up between now or between then and when Cups come back. And now suddenly they didn't push for those extra points. So once again, Pokemon, you know, maybe it's like it could, this definitely could be one of those situations where it's like they didn't plan to have Cups and Challenges, but then all of a sudden it could work out. And they're like, all right, well, we should do it because we can do it. Um, I would like to believe that instead of them knowing, you know, for the last four months that they were going to announce this that Cups and Challenges are coming back for quarter four. It'd be nice to believe, but Pokemon is always really slow and untimely and just poor with communication. So who knows? But um, at least they're coming back. Uh, of course, it's always better to know things sooner than later. Hopefully this isn't too late for too many people. Uh, and then I guess one other thing we could just oh, yeah, we're really quick. We, we didn't talk about this a couple weeks ago when it happened. Um, this could be one of the reasons. This could actually could be the reason... <laughs> why locals have all of a sudden are coming back now yeah so for those who don't know at regional championships for the last you know forever and yeah, even forever. at local events for forever uh pokemon uses a tournament organized uh, a tournament software called tom i don't know what it tom actually even stands for do you know like it's probably like tournament tournament organization, organization management oh, right there in the tweet oh on this tweet Oh, yeah. tournament operations manager. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, is or Tom for short is the software that they use to you know pair people, run the events, calculate resistance, calculate top eight, all of these things. Um, but during the pandemic, like during the time where there was no in-person events, they rolled out this new software called Pokemon Events Manager just to local stores, so stores who were still running unsanctioned Pokemon tournaments, but just like their local Pokemon tournaments, right, would start to use PEM, Pokemon Events Manager, PEM for short. Um, and there was just a ton of problems with this software. People getting paired in the wrong division, people getting paired multiple times around, um, people not getting paired into the tournament at all, even after playing two rounds. It's like round three, boom, they're just not there anymore. Just like unfathomable problems that just did not make any any sense um but at the regional championships they still used the tournament operations manager tom uh, to yeah. run the tournaments because pem was just not quite ready and there's now this theory so like just a couple of weeks ago pokemon sent out an email to all tournament organizers that they were scrapping pem and going back to tom going back to the way things were if it ain't broke don't fix it let's just roll with tom and uh, and not too long after this announcement of League Cups and League Challenges come back, uh, coming back comes out. So there's a big theory now online that the reason League Cups and League Challenges were delayed for so long was because they did not feel like PEM was ready to run them, which is definitely true. They did not feel like PEM was ready to run the tournaments, and they were unwilling up until this point to go back to Tom. Now it is just a theory. There's no confirmation of this, but I don't know. I don't know. Is that, is it evidence that's there? I mean, there's definitely reason to believe that this could be true as a little 
does line up pretty conveniently, right? Like they scrap Tom officially, or they scrap PEM officially. And I just want to like, I, I actually just want to say, like, it's extremely embarrassing that PEM did. I heard about PEM pre-COVID, um, <laughs> so I heard about that being a thing pre-COVID um, at yeah. uh, uh, Nat, uh, NAIC that year. The one that uh, I forget who won. Was it Stefan again? I think it was yeah. Stefan one. Yeah, yeah. I heard that's where I heard about PEM for the first time, and I think it's extremely embarrassing that they couldn't get a tournament software together. Um, and I think uh, we'll talk about live a little bit later in the cast. Um, but I mean, maybe they just don't know how to hire people who can, <laughs> who can code. Cause I think uh, this is evidence plus BTCG live is that uh, when it comes to this kind of stuff, they don't uh, deliver. Right. Um, and I think even Robin, if you could find Robin's tweets, Robin even what do you know we uh, just we, we think oh, there so we go. like I had it pulled up ready to pull over here yeah Robin <laughs> tweeted uh this whole PEM deal is such a mystery PTCGL not being great can be uh reasonably explained but even then I think Robin's hinting at like hmm what's going on there uh but a tournament software is really not that complicated what was going on here yeah I think it's extremely embarrassing for TPCI that PEM yeah. just doesn't work I right? mean talk about I mean Robin on his own built a tournament software that also like people could like register for the tournament. Like he built an all in one Pokemon tournament software during the pandemic, probably in a couple of months, <laughs> the play yeah. limitless software that has, or the, the, the website that people have been using now for two years that has like, Robin wasn't the... even getting paid. Like yeah. how much money did they sink into this, <laughs> this PEM software that just does not work. They scrapped it. They fully scrapped it. I wish they'd done the same thing to live. I was hoping, man. I made a tweet. I was like, all right, if you're doing this to PEM, can we get it for live? Like, come on, <laughs> be consistent. <laughs> be consistent. Um, maybe, maybe someday, maybe someday. Um, so it definitely seems like this is possibly, like this is why maybe uh, local tournaments were delayed because they said early 2023 is when locals would come back, right? That's the only information they gave to us up until this announcement, right? They're like, look for locals early 2023, I believe. Um, so maybe they're like, oh, PEM should be ready by then. But then it was getting tested out at local stores. Like you said, you went to a tournament where they used PEM. I did. Right? Yep, um, and I was undefeated and got paired and put at table 23. <laughs> so definitely some problems with it. And now we, and you know, uh, just like a couple weeks ago, the whole thing gets scrapped, and now League Cups are coming back. League Cups and Challenges are coming back all of a sudden, right? So it seems like it maybe syncs up. Once again, it just, yeah, just classic TPCI, extremely embarrassing. I feel like that PEM was a failure. It's a tournament software. Like, it can't be that hard, like, I'm not a coder, but I feel like you should be able to like make a baseline for things. And instead of having to scrap the project, you should be like, okay, what new things do we want to add to this? Or why didn't this work? Okay, let's let's uh, let's fix that. Like, how could the code be so bad that you had to scrap the whole thing? As a company as big as Pokemon is, as TPCI is, like, yeah, just truly embarrassing. Like that's all I gotta say. I'll I'll add my thoughts there. <laughs> well, from there, let's move it on to guess that flavor text everyone's favorite segment of the podcast where every single week either azul or i picks a card reads the flavor text from it and the other host has to guess which pokemon they're talking about you do get some lifelines to work with you're not just going in blind the lifelines are what set the card is from what stage the card is or or and an attack or and and or and or said or yeah, I mean, and or, you know, same thing, E or and That's, or. I'm pretty sure it's just and. <laughs> and read an attack name. Yeah, because it is 
yeah sure well it is like it's or because like you don't have to use it right well yeah and i'm pretty sure and is the one you use here anyways it's my turn to pick a flavor text for chip to read chip are you ready for the flavor text well it's your turn point, to right? pick a text for you to read well, yeah, and for, for me to, it's for yeah, me okay. to guess you know if we're being picky about the am way I still the other one, host am is I still talking up one point am i still up one point yes you are okay, still okay. up one point are you ready yeah to get ahead let's get it baby all right when it walks around on the ground it coats its body with a slimy, poisonous film. When it walks around on the ground, it coats its body with a slimy, poisonous film. So, huh, interesting. I Is there a poison ground type? I don't know. Ground probably is not really that part, big a part of this. It's just kind of like, you know, where you walk is on the ground. It is interesting that it mentions ground specifically because is there any other place to walk besides the ground <laughs> no maybe right i don't know i mean i guess like in a building something i don't know um poison type poison film i mean one of my first thoughts is like toxicity to be honest uh but i feel like this is kind of a tame flavor text for toxicity um it doesn't have to be a poison type i guess necessarily but it i guess it likely is uh i'm gonna start with a lifeline I'm going to go with uh, what set the card is from. That's pretty much always the one I go with first. The set, oh, it's from the set Heart Gold and Soul Silver. So okay, so it is not, not Toxtricity. <laughs> um, okay, interesting. Hmm. You mentioned Toxtricity and it got me thinking about Toxtricity for some reason. Like, Toxtricity VMAX looks really cool. It does. All the other Toxtricities look really derpy. Like, <laughs> like they just look super derpy. He's, he's, looks like some kind cool of like guy. punk. He's a emo, rock star. Yeah, punk emo like rocker vibes. But Toxtricity V Max just looks kind of cool. Um, okay, sorry. Yeah. No, no, you can keep talking. Give me more time to uh to think here. All right, something. It's likely a Gen two Pokemon. I would say then. What poison types are there in Gen two? When it walks around on the ground, so it's not Crobath because that doesn't walk. Use its wings to walk, maybe it has feet. Yeah, little little tubby t stubby toes, right? Um, let's go with what stage the card is. It is a basic. So it's a basic poison type Gen Two, most likely. Uh, it's a little too early for it to be Whooper. Paldeum Whooper is a poison type, but regular Whooper. Think is just a water ground type but could it mm, could whooper coat itself with a poison film that actually would kind of make sense like what if this is not actually a poison type is there a i kind of think there is a whooper as well in heart gold soul silver base set it is heart gold soul silver base set right not like one of the other heart gold soul silver sets yeah yeah heart gold soul silver Um, I mean, if I guess and get this right, I'm ahead. So I don't really, I don't think, will an attack name actually even help me here is the question I'm having. I'll go ahead and use the last lifeline, read an attack name. We'll see if it helps me. Tail whip. I'm going to go with whooper. No shot. He got it. Dang it. I should have locked it in. Uh, dude, how uh, did you get to whooper? That's just so ridiculous. I'm just too smart, buddy. Come on. Whooper. I up. had it right. I had it right. I was like pretty <laughs> sure once I got to that conclusion, it was it. How did I... you get to whooper, though? 
um because he's a little ground type he walks around he gets a little poison film you know everyone knows oh, that. of course yeah i forgot about that <laughs> everyone knows that. well i was thinking about what poison types are there i mean i, I pretty much talked through my thought process what poison types are there and I thought yeah. about Wooper, but I was like, oh, yeah, that's not a poison type. Paldean Wooper is a poison type, the new Wooper. But then it's like, oh, maybe th- I wonder if that's where, like, the roots for Bal- Paldean Wooper come from, right? Is from the original uh, Pokedex or, or, or flavor text, right? Yeah, yeah. Um, All right. Well, you tied it up, Chip. Congratulations. Let's move <laughs> on to. <laughs> I didn't even show the card yet. I always show the card. Hang on. Oh, do you really? Yeah. You didn't know this. <laughs> tail whip. Oh, look at him, bro. He's got a big he's he's really whipping that tail. Look at this guy. <laughs> <laughs> he's really whipping it. All right, we got there. Let's go. Time to move on. Take it away, Azul. All right, yeah. So let's move on. Uh talk a little bit about rotation. We'll talk a little bit more about it in the next episode when there's a little bit more to, you know, kind of unpack as far as like what the, the meta and the format looks like. Um, I played some live for the first time. I think I've opened up PTTG Live uh within the last year but it's been like a year since i've actually sat down and actually like played have you done some um, coaching on it at some point no not yet um, dude coaching on it is terrible it's got to be pretty rough you can't because drop the there's timer, no so... timer. Yeah, yeah yeah it's just it sounds awful um might have to do most of my coaching on like tabletop simulator from here on out or not or something like that which ones again made by robin <laughs> you mean limitless tabletop yeah yeah limitless Tabletop simulator. Oh, yeah, I said tabletop simulator. Limitless tabletop simulator. Excuse me. Um, but I actually put out a tweet the other day. Just kind of... And this is like... I put out this tweet while I was in Fort Wayne when uh, Scarlet and Violet released. A lot of people on... transferred their accounts from PTCGO to Live like on yeah, yeah. Thursday last week because the new cards came out on TCG Live. They did not come out on TCGO. So there was like an exodus of people leaving PTCGO. Yeah. I saw so many screenshots of like people's stat pages <laughs> uh, being like RIP PTCGO. And it's kind of wild to look at some of those things and just realize like how many hours of your life you've sunk into <laughs> this game. Um, because it, it tells you how, how much time you have played. It doesn't tell you in hours. It tells you in days because you've played so yeah. much, which is pretty wild. Yeah, and I put out this tweet because I was traveling. I, I didn't get to chance. I didn't start playing until uh, just today or yesterday when y'all are listening to the cast. Um, so I put out a tweet. I was like, okay, how is it? Like, what does everyone think about it? Um, is it feel that much better? Because a lot, yeah, a lot of people who hadn't who had uh, not been playing it for a while or just not been playing Pokemon in general, you know, are getting on and taking a look at it. And um, I seem to have some pretty mixed reviews. I think overall, um, and maybe that that two point five star rating that is currently that it has in the app stores may be correct. Yeah, I saw it was a lot of replies of people saying like, I think the highest end I saw for the most part was like seven, right? People were like six, seven, 7.5, like feeling like the gameplay itself was fine. And I do feel like the game has come a long way since where it was in the beta last year when we, when you and I both initially transferred, it does feel at least a little bit better, but I don't want to give them too much credit because there's still so much like the user interface is just so confusing. Building a deck is so, so terrible. Um, and then, and then there were some, so there were some people who were like six, seven, it was like, fine. I didn't hate it. It does do several things really well. Obviously, like if you come over with a stacked PTCGO account and you have celebrations codes, like 
get a bunch of crystals or credits, excuse me, you can build pretty much any deck immediately. That is a huge upside. That is great. We'll give them that, right? But the gameplay itself, just like, I don't know, the deck builder, there's just so much wrong with it. And there's a lot of people who are encountering bugs, things were crashing. And I think some of that can be attributed to uh, high traffic, right? For the release day, like, Stuff like that happens, like even Call of Duty. I've watched people stream Call of Duty after like the new patch goes live and the game like doesn't work for the first few hours sometimes. So some of this yeah. could be involving that. I'm not trying to make an excuse, but like that could be part <laughs> of the reason. It is some general like, you know, game release stuff that happens, right? It's hard to get the servers yeah. are fully really flooded. Uh, it makes it hard for people to get on and play. So I think that maybe is this. That's like maybe the most fair thing um or the most reasonable um reasonable like hiccup that pdcg live has had is like this big transfer moment you know that more people are involved uh, uh running into issues and even like just seems like generally people are just kind of struggling to get on it to play so it's maybe one of the most reasonable uh hiccups that they've had because that is just kind of a general you know game launch game release thing although this is still in beta this isn't even the full release which is also really unfortunate because like can't play Scarlet and Pilot on PTCGL, but also PTCG Live hasn't fully released, so that sucks. Um Yeah. Um so and uh, I saw a lot of replies from people who were like saying like it feels better on mobile, but then I also saw people saying like my phone dropped to 18% battery after two games. <laughs> Uh, it does feel like if you play on mobile, it feels better than if you play on desktop. It's gotten better on desktop, but it does feel pretty. It feels OK on phone. It feels OK, um, but it does like at least on an iPhone. I don't know. Maybe it's different for Androids like the game is, it is available just not on Android. Op- huh? Is it available on Android? I thought it wasn't available for one of them for a while. I don't it know. It wasn't available on the App Store on Apple for a while because uh apple doesn't allow you to do like beta releases so like i think what happened is like they just released the game and they're calling it like beta right okay yeah (laughs) yeah um apple doesn't allow you to like release stuff and like leave it in like a beta mode it's like so it's i think they have released the game but they just it's still called beta because they're still because they can do that and they're still fixing it or whatever right um but yeah, so uh, it, it is kind of crazy that a game that was built for phones is not optimized for phones because yeah. like my if I play two games on mobile and I have I've gone and played for the last two or three weeks or so, I have gotten online and played at least a couple games every single day um, to do like my little daily challenge to get the crystals. And it after two games, my phone is hot like it is <laughs> it is like almost <laughs> concerning how hot my phone gets, which is just absurd that a game that is built for mobile was not optimized for mobile devices. Yeah, it's like the the game isn't going to crash your computer if you play on it, besides if you run to a bug, right? Like, it's not like it's super intensive on your computer, but it looks terrible and it feels super unintuitive with a lot of, like, the uh, energy attachments, placing damage counters, all that kind of stuff, using abilities. Uh, And it looks pretty ugly as well as far as the resolution on stuff. And then all that stuff is good for mobile, but then it's like, uh, it also just like makes your your phone super hot and it takes up a ton of battery. Like it takes a ton up of the processing power of your phone, right? Um, or yep. all of it. So um, yeah, now that I've had a chance to actually play some of PTCG Live, um, yeah, on the 
on the computer. I haven't played any on the phone yet. I don't plan to because like, and also like, even if it is better on the phone, that doesn't take away from the critiques of it on the PC, which, I, which I've heard some people say. It's like, well, sometimes I'll complain about stuff and they'll be like, oh, but it's good on the phone. It's like, well, that doesn't really matter if it's still bad on the, <laughs> if it's still bad on the desktop, it doesn't matter if it's good on the phone, right? Yeah. Um, so it looks ugly. I think it's super ugly with the just kind of the resolution of everything is like super jarring sometimes. The one thing, like like yeah, like it's, if you mouse over a card, it'll look great. But if the 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 cards are on your opponent's field or your field or on the field in general, um, or a card gets played out of the hand, it like comes up in front of your fa- face on the screen, which is fine. But it just it's like super low resolution. It just makes no sense. Yeah, um, everything is just super ugly if you're not mousing over it. All the cards are super ugly and it's a little bit jarring. Um, the one thing that looks really good is the new animation they've done for taking the prize cards. It looks super clean, looks super good. It's no longer the big flashbang. There's still like a little bit of a flash that happens after you draw a prize card, which they should just remove. Um, I don't know why that's still there. But once you draw your prize cards, it shows you the prize cards. They look super ugly, um, super bad resolution on those. And then they go to your hand. So like the, the resolution of everything is just messed up and it's just awful. And I don't like they should, I don't I can't understand how that isn't fixed yet. Um, but yeah. the one thing that looks good is the new prize animation where it's like the prize cards pop in front of your face and they have like this blue, you know, little swirl around them, whatever, being like, you know, picture your prize and you click on it and then it turns like a gold swirl around the cards. Um, and that looks, the, the animation looks clean. It looks it's good. The it's the best looking thing, thing in the game. The best looking yeah. thing in the game. Yeah. <laughs> and it feels, but if but one of my problems that I brought up today on my stream was like, it feels like all the stuff that looks cool and good is just the new stuff. Like the board animations look clean and pretty good. The animation around the prize cards that they just added looks clean and pretty good, but they haven't fixed any of the stuff that looks terrible um, that we've had complaints about for the longest time. None of that has been fixed, like, at all. Like, the, the resolution of the cards, still terrible. Yeah. Um, yeah, all that still just looks awful. It just looks terrible. And it, all the um, the way you, like, like I used Guardian EX's ability today, it takes forever to you to go to the next energy card after you attach one energy with the ability. You attach the energy... Click the Pokemon, that's fine. And then it like stops for a second, puts the damage counters on the Pokemon, stops for a second, lets you re-get access to the energy to place another one. Just like I don't understand how that can't be uh, made more intuitive or like you know, flow better. Um, there's still a lot of flow problems with it. The games on there still take way too long. I can only imagine what it's like to put sta- stabilize damage in play uh using lost box. I don't think I ever it's did that. It's not fun. It's not fun. But like <laughs> They got to fix that. They got to make that better. Things should feel clean and smooth, and you should be going from action to action clean and smoothly, and everything should look nice and not jarring when the cards pop up and they're like, you know, two pixels. Like, there's so much more work to do, man. It's just kind of embarrassing. Once again, it's embarrassing. Like, going back to what I said about PEM earlier, it's just embarrassing. It's still just really embarrassing. Um, I don't care how many free cards you get. How many? I actually had, there was a good analogy for this um, that I had the other day. Um, I feel like the Pokemon community is brainwashed into thinking PTCG Live is fine because they get free decks, right? When you when you open PTCG and you have PTCGO for the first time, um, it's like if you got a bike, all you got was the handlebars, right? When you open PTCGO for the first time, all you got was the handlebars of the bike. And you had to go to the scrapyard and you have to put the rest of your bike together yourself or whatever, right? Um, now, every other game nowadays, you get the full bike. Um, but PTCG Live gives you the full bike, but your, your wheels are squares. So it's like you get the full <laughs> bike, you can play the game, you can ride your bike, uh, but it's a terrible ride, right? Because your wheels are squares instead of circles. But every other game, every other uh, card game app in the in the current day and age in the industry, uh, you get a full bike with round wheels, right? Like you don't get square wheels. But PTCG Live gives you the bike, but with square wheels. But because PTCGO only gave us the handlebars, everyone's brainwashed into thinking that PTCG Live is great and it's fine because at least I get a bike, 
right? I they didn't just give me the handlebars this time around. They gave me the full bike. Even if it has square sure. wheels, I don't care. Um, but we don't – this is why people need to stop comparing PTC July to PTC GO because PTC GO was made a long time ago. Uh, we shouldn't be comparing PTC July to PTC GO. You should be comparing it to where the industry uh, currently is, where like the, the new card game clients are. And that's what PTC July should be compared to. And they all have bikes – with uh you know circle wheels you could even say like they're kind of decked out a little bit whereas we have you know rusty old bike with square wheels that's what we get when we get ptcg live um so stop comparing ptcg live to ptcgo nobody cares that you got a free lugia deck that's great and obviously you should get that and it's cool that they're doing that but we should also enjoy playing the lugia deck um and not just care about just having the lugia deck to begin with and you know that we need to get some circle wheels got to take away the square wheels yeah, it stop, definitely stop does. Comparing them. It's not a game that is up to 2023 standards. That is without exactly. a doubt. And if you have any question about that, and anyone who has played the game and thinks, you know what, this is a seven out of 10 experience. I haven't encountered any bugs. I got a good deck and the game feels okay, right? <laughs> it, 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 it is an okay Pokemon card game simulator, right? It is at this point, I think it is like okay. But very okay. Very okay. I would challenge anyone who feels like this game is good. You know, I'm fine with the way that this is. Please go download and play one game. One game of Yu-Gi-Oh! Master Duel, uh, of Magic Arena, of Marvel Snap, of Hearthstone, a game that was made 10 years ago. I'm serious. <laughs> play one game of any of these card games, even the the one piece on mobile, you can get a one piece tutorial app. It's not even a full game. It's just a tutorial that walks you through how to play the game. I downloaded and played that last week after Jeremy taught me how to play the game. Um, and it's like I played I did two actions and I immediately thought it is unacceptable for PTCG Live to feel the way that it does. If this tutorial game it's just like it's like an intangible thing that is like really hard to measure and like quantify in words. You just have to experience it. You have to play one of these other games. I've played at least a game or two on all of these other card games because I wanted to, you know, test like just, you know, we talked about like this not being up to a 2023 game. Um, like a Master Duel, especially Yu-Gi-Oh! Master Duel is like a beautiful game. The music is sick. The animations are incredible. It feels awesome to open up a booster pack. Um, and like just playing the game just feels right. And playing a game on TCG Live just does not feel right. Yeah, when I played when I played it today, I, I just I was like, I just wish I could play Heart Gold or uh, Scarlet Violet cards on pdcgo i was just like like it feels so much better and pdcgo has so many flaws and is so far behind the only thing pdcg live has over pdcgo is literally just the fact that you get the free cards right is that you get the bike you don't just get the handlebars but every game in 2023 gives you the bike so stop comparing pdcg live to pdcgo because that's what everyone in the pokemon community is doing because they're brainwashed because they've only played pdcgo and pdcg live this is that's a perfect thing to say chip go pick up hearthstone go pick up uh snap go pick up uh what was the other one the, the one piece tutorial <laughs> that and one i was like specifically feel... like impressed with because it's just a tutorial that, <laughs> it's yeah, that's like... the thing that matters the most right is not the not the not getting the cards does matter right and that's just, it's something you, you want to be able to do reasonably easy 
Um, and you can really do that really well in PTCG Live. Probably better than stuff like Hearthstone or even Magic Arena, right? You can probably get cards easier in PTCG Live than those. Um, but the gameplay experience should matter the most because you don't want to just sit there and own every card in the format and be like, well, I don't want to play a game because of it sucks to because it sucks because <laughs> it sucks to play um you don't just want to sit there and be like um and own every card in the format be like i don't want to queue up a game though because it's like not enjoyable to play the game but i own all the cards like that's cool i own it's like it's not like a you're not a collector like there's nothing to well, collect on pdcg live and like, even if you were a collector there's nowhere to go and easily look at your collection either <laughs> yeah you can't even go and easily look at your collection and then the, the, even the, on top of that yeah like building a deck feels super bad compared to pdcgo oh the deck like, editor so is fighting with the deck editor i think might be the worst part of ptcg yeah. live to be honest <laughs> it is it makes no sense how to build a deck and i've seen it's so, so many tweets as well this week of people being like um did oh my old cards did they just not transfer because it's like hard to even find the cards that you own yep. on tcgo super um, unintuitive you can't even look at like a full deck image of your deck like on pdcgo how you could do like the expand the deck thing and look at everything yes. at once you can't even do that it's it, it's but you know what's mind weird? blowing. You can do it on mobile. Yeah, you, you can, can do, it, do on it on mobile, but you can't do it on the desktop. It like once, why? Yeah. Why? And yeah, once again, that's not an excuse for it not to be able to be done on the desktop. Is that of you can do it not. on mobile, which is like which is so many times I see people saying that. But yeah, stop comparing PTCGO Live to PTCGO. I don't care if you only got handlebars back in PTCGO. We should be getting a bike with round wheels in 2023 on PTCG Live, but that's not what we're getting. We're getting the bike, and putting to, putting the bike together is a hassle through the deck editor. And then once you get to go ride your bike, it has square wheels when you actually queue up a game. Like, stop being uh, content with mediocrity in the current day and age if this came out back in 2010 that would be sick this pdcg live would be revolutionary right back in 2010 <laughs> it would be insane pdcgo yeah. was revolutionary back when it came out i don't forget when it came out but 20, in 2023 everyone has a decked out bike with round wheels and us in the pokemon community too many of us are content with square wheels and a rusty bike right like just because we got handlebars with pdcgo doesn't mean we should be settling for a rusty square wheel bike in uh 2023 so i would really like to see more people kind of pushing back against pdcg live and because we I, there has to be a, a point where uh tpci either goes further with making sure the game gets done right or lucky enough maybe it would get scrapped i doubt that'll ever happen at this point but we want to hold them accountable for what is reasonable in 2023. And if too many people, I feel like if too many people become content with where PTCG Live is now, because you got your free Lugia deck, I get it, that's great, cool, you got your Lugia deck, but if too many people become content, I feel like they might not push hard enough to actually make it you know, a reasonable product. So, all right, let's end our PTCG Live rant there. Um, of course, you gotta get through it, but uh, let's talk a little bit more about rotation. We had a couple big online tournaments, the late night tournaments. Um, happen and those are like usually the biggest online tournaments that we've had so far and uh yeah how'd they end up yeah so late night 87 which took place today uh the the biggest one is currently happening still it's 453 players this is the one that took uh, that's 88, which is still going on as we're recording. 87 took place during the day. It's the one that's like the European time frame. Um and yeah just looking at the metagame I mean, there's a lot of Lost Box, a lot of Gardevoir, a lot of Maridon. I mean, this it's it's kind of like the decks that you would have expected. Um, Lost Box being the highest play there. Um, but when we look at the decks that won the tournament, there's actually two Lugia decks up atop. So 
I don't know. I mean, if you're tired of Lugia, <laughs> looking forward to rotation here, here we are. Uh, <laughs> uh, it does look a quite a bit different, though. I mean, we talked about this, I think, a little bit, but yeah, it is the uh, single strike engine setup of of Lugia V Star. And Hazul, I know you, when you played on your stream today, played this deck a little bit. What were your kind of thoughts when you were playing Lugia single strike, especially coming off the lens of? <laughs> um, coming off the lens of the Lugia V-Star the way it has been for the last six months? Um, I mean, it definitely feels like a more enjoyable deck to play against and to play because it doesn't feel like you're some broken deck that nothing can kind of make a comeback. It's a little more like you're fair, Pokemon. right? It's yeah, it definitely feels fair. a little more fair. Uh, but it is very good. I think Lugia is actually very, very good. It was definitely... I only played two decks today, the Guardi EX deck and Lugia. Um, and yeah, Lugia felt... or Gar, Yeah, Lugia felt uh, really, really good. Guardi didn't feel terrible. Um, and I tried out a build with like heavy researches to just try and set up more aggressively. I basically gave up on the lost box matchup with the list I was playing, um, which maybe is bad, but maybe it's not worth actually taking for lost box as guardian. You just kind of hope that you don't hit them. But the Lugia, Lugia felt great. Lugia felt insanely good. So uh, still really good. And it only gets better, right? We've already seen some of the cards that are going to be coming out in the future. Lugia only gets better uh, moving forward. Of course, we're going to get more special energy and more different options for attackers. So yeah, Lugia will only get better moving forward. And it definitely still seems like it's solid right now. Hopefully, it's not the BDIF and it's just another tier one deck. But uh, definitely feels like the best deck I've played with so far. And then it's kind of interesting looking at this top eight from this tournament because it's two Lugia Archeops <laughs> and then it's two Gardevoir Mewtwo. Mewtwo. So this is yeah, there's a lot of, of unique. I was looking here. at the lists in this tournament earlier and I was like, let me just get like a normal Guardi list to kind of work off of initially and let me import that into PDCG Live. And it was like, Guardi Mewtwo Union, Guardi Mewtwo Union, Guardi Mewtwo Union. I was like, is everyone playing the Mewtwo Union in Guardi? Where's a normal Guardi list I can work with? Uh, but yeah, people are all about that Mewtwo Union right now. Yeah, which is pretty interesting. I mean, Mewtwo V Union does have a bunch of like super powerful attacks, right? Um, it does 300 damage. It spreads 16 damage counters. It also fully heals itself potentially. And I mean, I guess it synergizes okay with, you know, refinement, discarding cards, right? I guess generally you yeah. probably want to be discarding your energy cards though so you can bring them back with Gardevoir. So maybe a little bit of conflicting information there. Um but yeah, I don't know. I mean, Mewtwo V Union is just a pretty powerful card, right? So if yeah. this method works out and you can get it in play, uh, it has to be like the right matchup, though. I mean, maybe it's the tech for Lost Box, right? Because like something with 310 hit points that spread 16 damage counters. I mean, yeah, that probably beats Lost Box. And they got Drapion. I don't know. They got Drapion. Mirage this is a good Gate. point. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, well, you can like it, maybe judge if it's or like, Maybe if it's like you slap it in play and take two or three prizes with it, right? Yeah. I mean, I don't know if you're gonna get three, but yeah, you, take, you have Roxanne, right? So you go like Roxanne KO double comfy or something. Yeah. Um, so I guess something like that. Yeah, because that being your comeback, like you kind of just like uh, for the first couple turns of the game, you're just using Zacian to get a couple prize cards, and then you know, get to the Mewtwo plus the Roxanne, and then you make that comeback against the Lost Box. I could see that how you, you see that be and how you play it out for sure. Uh, and mm -hmm. then yeah, under that was the two Shadow Riders, which is also a pretty big surprise. You got Mewtwo Vegans in the Guardian decks, and then Shadow Rider without the Radiant Eternatus. I noticed that when I looked at the decks earlier. Um, a really yeah, this cute is combo with the Hatterini V Klefki. Yeah, no, absolutely. Yeah, the the um the the hit and run effect, right? Going back into the Klefki every single turn. Klefki is obviously very solid, and Klefki is also does not shut down. Like it shuts down most 
draw engines in the game right now does not shut down Shadow Rider. And Shadow Rider yeah. is just like a super powerful card. Like we haven't seen it in a long time because there's just so much stuff better than it. Like especially things like Mew that just hit it super, super hard. It's a three prizer. So it's really tough to want to play that. But like if this is a Pokemon that stays in play for a long time, you get energy on multiple Pokemon, like you're going to one hit KO everything in the game. Yeah, no, Shadow Rider has definitely always been like a really strong Pokemon. It was like the best deck in the format, arguably a while ago, right back when we had like Gengar, yep, Mimikyu tag team. Uh, now it's a little bit doesn't have the options that it had before, but like still, like you know, three twenty HP. Uh, being weak to dark isn't that bad right now, even though Drapion's a thing. Drapion's like not one hit KOing you very efficiently, right? You got to get four energy on the Drapion, so up against like the Mirage Gate builds of Lost Box, a big commitment to get there. And you have like Judge and Roxanne and stuff to kind of throw them off it as aggressively as you can. And you do have like the Klefki had a reading combo as well, um, and stuff like. I would assume a Rhydon's going to struggle to one hit KO your Shadow Rider. Um, for the Mew ah. matchup, you can do the Fan of Waves combo with the um, Shadow Mist. Um, we're just kind of swing through them because your uh, Shadow Riders are so big. Uh, there's no Radiant Pokemon in this list. The other list play Radiant Pokemon because you could definitely play a Gardevoir, Radiant Gardevoir. You probably don't want to discard your energy uh, with like a Greninja, but like Radiant Gardevoir is definitely something that could be played. No, there's not. They have the Mawile in here, which is kind of funny. This little Mawile. Um, but yeah, no radiant Pokemon on any of these lists. I mean, I guess like all the radiant Pokemon do get shut off by Klefki, so you wouldn't want to play like radiant Greninja, right? Or um, it only matters in like the Lost Box matchup, though, right? I guess, yeah, that matchup specifically, but I mean, that's a pretty big one, right? Yeah, and like you, you do want to push, uh, you probably want to push Klefki against most things, like you want to push Klefki against Gardevoir to shut off Zacian. And Mew, you want to push Klefki up against Maridon to shut off well, Maridon. Yeah, but I mean, once so, you get into like the big back and forth with like Pokemon sure. swinging, or up against Mew specifically, I would feel like would be the main one to slow them down from getting KOs. Um, yeah, you'd want it. And we talked about Mew. I mean, Mew is probably one of the main reasons Shadow Rider has not really been played pretty much since Mew came out. Shadow Rider has not yeah. been played. Um, and it has a solid answer now things. in the Klefki, right? So. Uh, yeah, that's answer. true. I wonder, does Mew just kind of get like collateraled really hard by people putting Klefki in there? I didn't even like think about that, but that Klefki just kind of bodies Mew. <laughs> like Mew? I always forget. I forget how good Klefki is sometimes. It's just sound like all. I always think about it in terms of just stopping Comfy, but it's just sound literally all basic. It doesn't. Can, you can't even Luminion under Klefki, right? No, no. Yeah, it's just sound yeah. all basic Sheesh. Pokemon abilities. Yours yeah, and your good. opponents. Yeah, super good. It's literally like Wobbuffet, except it's there's no exceptions. Um, well, we're taking a look at the other late night. Yeah, Mew. the one that is currently going on. We do see Mew is currently up at the top at a 10 and 1 record. We see Giratina, another Gardevoir Mewtwo, Giratina Lost Box, Lugia Archaeops, Maridon. So, like, you can tell people are still really trying stuff out. A deck that I've been kind of surprised to see in some of these online events. Like, if you look at some of the online events that have happened that had like 80 people or so in them, which is still like a decent amount. Um, there's been like a lot of this Rapid Strike, Urshifu, Intellium VMAX deck. Um, which like most of what we've been going on so far is based on the results from Japan. And this is a deck that has not shown up at all in Japan, but it's been like pretty popular so far. Uh in America, I don't know. Azul, is there much to this deck? I mean, Urshu has always been like a ridiculously powerful Pokemon, and now we don't. There's no top psychic dog right now. Um, you do have the Drapion to potentially compete against the Mew as well, right? So uh, what was what was the biggest struggle? The biggest struggles before was that you were playing it kind of with Inteleon, and Inteleon wasn't great against... Also, your Lugia matchup was terrible, right? 
But now yeah, think... Lugia doesn't have a great answer to your Urshifu, I feel like. Actually, what even KOs Urshifu right now? Does Urshifu just, Urshifu just like survive everything? Uh, Maradon. Maradon, okay. But they're weak to fighting. They are weak to fighting. Um, and that's so that's hey, like how many Maradon? Almost... We need four lucky V Max to KO you. Yeah, sure. Easy peasy, right? I don't know about <laughs> I don't think so. Yeah, Urshifu is looking pretty clean. I mean, Mew KOs you, of course, but you have Well, your, I almost your wonder if this is meant to be more of an Intellion deck, right? And then, like, Intellion is weak to Lightning. So when you play against Maridon, you have Urshifu, right? I mean, I guess you're meant to, like, have both options okay. pretty much. But um, yeah, Intellion VMAX is another card that is, you know, pretty decent. Is it now finally time for it to get its, its moment in the limelight? Could be. Yeah. I mean, it's interesting. Um, it's been a while, so it's hard for me to like kind of think too much about these decks and th really think about how powerful it potentially could be. But and that's what's of kind options. of fun about rotation, right? It's like not only do we have new cards, but cards that were in the format that made or in the meta previously decks that were oh, in the guardy's got to be it's got to be hard. It's got to be tough to be guarded with this deck. Probably right. Although maybe the Intellion. I mean, you can work in enough, and you've got the Radiant Alakazam to move some damage around on the little guys. Metachan. Because they're like because they're like going down to like low HP to get big one hit KOs. Yeah. Um, yeah. And a lot like of people, a lot of the American lists do not play emergency jelly. That was like yeah. a lot of the Japanese lists have been playing it. A lot of American lists do not. But I yeah, I mean, the there's still there's still a lot going on and still a lot to happen, a lot of changes to be made to our current metagame. I don't want to spend too much more time on it because we are kind of going long here, but um, I don't know. Any last thoughts on the meta as well when we can wrap up this the cast? uh no yeah, i think that kind of all my thoughts right now i mean a lot of things seem decent uh, we got stuff like urshifu and Italian doing well in these big online tournaments of course that's never going to be too big of an indication of anything i think it is cool to see like the both of these big online tournaments you know there was like no tina lost on tina doing well in the first one we look at the second one lost on tina's you know all towards the top so still a lot to figure out i think so a lot of stuff up in the air uh one of the like my complaints about like kind of the current situation it feels like we're seeing a lot of cards we're not going to see for a long time that they're already getting in japan japan's already like developing the meta kind of without us it kind of feels like we're being left behind which kind of sucks but yeah you know looking at these results it still seems like there's still some to uh talk about and i think even the finals of the most recent like lost box has kind of been established as the bdif but the finals of the most recent tournament in japan was like lugia and maridon so maridon was like super hyped early on kind of fell to the wayside but we see it making to the finals of uh that tournament recently i think right so yeah yeah we don't have the results on limitless yet from the japanese champions league that took place this past weekend but i watched the finals uh i didn't actually watch it yet i just clicked on it to see what the final decks were so we could talk about it and it was maridon versus lugia which is pretty interesting so yeah actually one thing i'll mention about the consistency of lugia is like i think every single game that i played with lugia today i got turned two double archaeops out um well that's not true because i watched one that you didn't so or i got one archaeops mm -hmm. yeah but i did that myself i messed up my ultra ball and didn't take archaeops and said I took a Tyranitar because I like was oh. overthinking what I needed. But if I just take an Archeops, then I use research and I have double Archeops. So I'm pretty okay, sure every okay. single game I got turned to double Archeops, which is pretty insane. Um, and I even cut the Burnett. I used Burnett zero times and I cut it at the end. So <laughs> I don't even know if you need the Burnett, but it's still working pretty well. Uh, so as far as consistency low goes, you know, size, it's still there. Low sample size. Low, low sample size, but I mean, it's doing well in these online tournaments too. Someone's got to be getting turn two double Archeops. If they're getting turn <laughs> three double Archeops and still winning, that's even scarier. <laughs> so, uh, but yeah, I think that's it. Let's cl close this out, Chip. 
Yeah, thanks so much to everyone for listening. We hope you enjoyed this week's episode. We'll be chatting more about the meta moving into EUIC on next week's episode, so you're definitely not going to want to miss it. If you do enjoy the podcast, if you want to show us your support, the best way to do that is to leave us a rating over on your favorite podcasting platform or drop us a like and comment here on the YouTube video if you're watching on YouTube. And if you are watching on YouTube, please be sure to click subscribe. The cast has been doing super well recently. We're super thankful and grateful for that. Our episodes have been averaging more and more viewers every single week. Uh, but with that, there's more a, a higher percentage of people who watch our videos every week who are not <laughs> subscribed to the channel. So we'd appreciate you clicking that subscribe button. And if you do want to stay connected with us outside of YouTube and outside of the podcasting platforms, the best place to do that is really going to be over on Twitter. You can follow myself at Chip Ritchie. Azul is at Azul underscore GG. And you can follow the podcast itself at Uncommon underscore Energy. Yeah, appreciate the support as always. Um, good luck to... Actually, there's no tournaments this weekend. so We have a break. Maybe a league challenge, though. Maybe you're good playing a league challenge playing... this weekend. Are they, already, are they already starting up right now? Like this, I, think, this I think they could be scheduled as of April 1st. Okay, so good luck to anyone who might be playing in a challenge. There wouldn't be any cups yet, I guess, then, right? Anyone playing in a challenge potentially this uh, weekend? And then we'll catch you all back, hopefully, normal schedule. We'll see, hopefully, because um, I'm going to be in London pretty soon. And uh, Chip won't be. So. But hopefully we'll be back to the normal schedule next week, Tuesday, 7 a.m. Eastern. Catch you all then. Peace. <laughs>